Hey, Valley fans, you're listening to the March to the Arch podcast. Is your team going to win? Make some noise! This is the March to the Arch podcast, your place for Missouri Valley Conference news, talk, and takes. Welcome to episode 10 of the 2021-2022 Missouri Valley Conference season. It is opening night in college basketball hoops. My voice is high right now, but after that opening night for the Valley, woof. But before we get into it, how are we doing today, Baker? You know, as a Valley fan, I shouldn't be doing good. But as a Redbird fan, things are great because they won their first game. So, interesting enough, I was going to bring this up uh, a little later, but I think it's actually pretty good timing right now. So, this morning, I actually woke up, and my sister, who is a uh, Bradley alum, sent me a text message, a picture of the Missouri Valley Conference standings, which obviously everybody's zero and zero, and they just have their non-conference record. But uh, her, her text was, ISU is tied for first in the conference right now. Don't forget this moment. So I'm not going to forget this moment because they are tied for first in the league right now. So um, pretty awesome. And we'll get into the Redbirds soon. But uh, the war on 74 uh, starts early in the uh, Baker household. Yeah, you know, but you know, here's the thing with my sister. She obviously we grew up Illinois State fans from my parents and stuff. So she does. She's one of the rare Bradley fans that has a soft spot for ISU basketball. Um, But no, you know what? It's that time of year. Basketball starting up. We're getting into Thanksgiving. And, you know, I got a question for you today. So, um, you know, I was talking to my wife and we obviously have a bunch of pumpkins outside for decorations for Halloween. Right. And she wants to get rid of them all right now. Am I Looney Tunes thinking that pumpkins should stay until after like Thanksgiving if they're not rotting? If they're not rotting. Yeah. Why would? Okay. That's what I was thinking. Like, she's like, she's like, no, it's Halloween's over. We got to get rid of the pumpkins. I'm like, is, is pumpkins like an exclusive decoration to just halloween no because don't like pumpkins and like gourds go in the cornucopias for the thanksgiving if i'm thinking about my kindergarten like coloring not only that pumpkin pie is like a staple i mean pumpkin itself is like the pumpkin flavor is like a big deal and i just thought that was so weird and i was like you know i'm I'm gonna throw this out on the podcast because like you know how uh, thanksgiving's coming up we're talking about all these thanksgiving things and i just think i'm like am i the nuts one that thinks we should keep our decorations out so no, People but if anybody has their Christmas tree up right now, you need to check into um, so, some sort of So facility. interesting, though. I went to the grocery store, and they had two giant wreaths up, like Christmas wreaths. And I'm like, maybe they just want to put it up because weather's going to go, go south on us here soon. I don't no. know. I'm, like Disney World's had their I've, Christmas tree up for, like, weeks, I feel like. So what's your thoughts on Christmas music? I mean, it's fine, like – I, it's more of after Thanksgiving. I'm an after Thanksgiving Thank, person. 100%, yeah, 100%, yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Vance. Okay. Because I see that people say, oh, yeah, you can start after Halloween. I saw that on Twitter the other day, and I was just like, come on, guys. Like, it, after Thanksgiving, um, from that day until Christmas, I think that it's totally fine. And Is Christmas it, decorations, the day after Thanksgiving, in my opinion, till New Year's. Christmas yeah. decoration. No, I'm with you. Tops. Um, is it bad that I know we're a couple weeks out, but I'm already envisioning and looking forward to just being in food coma on my couch watching all the Thanksgiving tournament basketball tournaments? Yeah. Dude, I, I awesome. look forward to that miserable state of life that I was like, I can't eat anymore, but you know what? I'm going to shove another piece of pumpkin pie down my throat. And can't just, beat it. Yeah. Okay. 
college basket college basketball during like the thanksgiving time with all the tournaments and just all the mts going on it's just so awesome so um we look forward to that but hey we've got real basketball vance we do have real basketball to talk through and let's just get into it i mean opening night sure. um we have harry schrader on the call um or on the call on the podcast tonight uh so we're really excited to talk about opening night with him so stick around for that but yeah let's go ahead and get into the opening night um i said the word uh with harry but um it was deflating it was wolf it was just not the opening night that i had envisioned the valley going so just a recap we were four and six as a league and we lost to some inferior opponents some of which were at home yeah it sucked I mean, there's no other way to put it. Uh, that was four and six was horrible because I mean, you we were we it. What really is the bummer for at least you and I, and and not you and I, the team, <laughs> you and the, you and my, me. Um, but like, we talk about the valley all year, and we talk about how much better it's going to be, and how they've leveled up as a league, and how much more hype there is around this league. Like, we're it's a real three bid three big possibility and to go into opening night and just kind of lay a leg and egg as a league. It was just it, like you said, deflating is like the perfect word for it fans. Yeah. I mean, the thing with me is, and it's one night, there are so many overreactions out there right now on Twitter. Um, I mean, a lot of people on the edge there, it was a weird opening night for a lot of college basketball conferences and a lot of teams that yes. should have won that didn't. So it was weird all around chalk that up to fans, chalk that up to just a different season, um, chalk that up to the extra year for some people. There are so mm -hmm. many ways and I've rationalized it in my head as a Suki fan, I've rationalized things. Um, but just to kind of put a bow on it for me is that we're a conference that has little margin of error in the non-conference because those quote-unquote non-conference losses that happened in November happen to come up and mean more in March when the selection committee is coming up because it flashes on ESPN. So for a mid-major, unfortunately, November matters more than other months uh, or for, for the mid-majors than Power Five conferences. And that the margin of error is just so slim and some teams have really done a disservice to themselves and they're one or two games in at the time of yeah. recording. No, I think you said it well. It's uh it's just a bummer, but um, you know, let's let's just get into it. I mean, uh I think we might as well. Do you want to do you want to kick it off with just let's start going through the yep. games? Let's go through the games. Uh, we're not going to do like full blown overviews because there was uh, 10 games in one night. Um, and if my math is right, let's just average it out to uh, uh, two hours per game. That is uh, 20 additional hours. Um, so there's a lot to uh, consume. But we'll just start with um, I'm just on ESPN now and let's just go down the the game so let's start off with the, the first game of the night uh, my Salukis traveled to Little Rock uh, where they lost on the road uh, to the Trojans 69 to 66 um, frustrating game um, <laughs> it was frustrating in multiple senses for Vance because um, as I said on Twitter um, I had scheduled to referee that night and the uh, the tip was at five o'clock whenever I scheduled it you know like six months ago because I was like oh um, you know times aren't out um, I'll be done by seven so I can catch opening tip. And then of course this game comes out and they, they, the SIU game tips at 5 PM. So I'm like at halftime and in between games, cause it was a two game night of like, 
I'm calling my dad. I'm texting my dad. I'm checking, trying to check scores. I'm in a concrete pad, it felt like, because our locker room was – I couldn't get any internet service. So it was, it was a bad night all around. But anyway, frustrating from that sense of I couldn't monitor it, but frustrating as a fan once it was all said and done. Um, you know, especially we were up 14 at one point in the game. I mean, that is huge um, in the first half. We scored in seven straight possessions early. We were kind of rolling. And so, you know, morale was high. And then uh, Little Rock went on an 18-0 run um, to take the lead and just kind of never turned back from there. You know, if you look at the stat line, SIU had 23 turnovers on the road. Um, Little Rock scored 33 points off of those 23 turnovers. That's the game there. You're not going to win on the road with 23 turnovers. Um, in general, uh, Damas kind of had a, um, a sluggish opening game back after his injury. Lance Jones had a great night other than the turnovers. Um, so still in that leadership um, position. We didn't have Trent Brown, um, but just one of those. It, it was a very winnable game and just didn't get it done. It was a tough loss. Um, I, I was able to catch uh, the first half of this game where um... – for most of the first half, Southern Illinois looked great. I mean, um, they looked like they were worthy of being a six-point favorite at home – or on the road, I'm sorry. Um, Damasco looked really good, which I was really curious how he was going to look right away, especially coming back. Um, I, it didn't look like he missed a beat. He actually looked really good. Um, but then I was kind of shocked when I saw the score kind of flip on it. Um, you know, just a disappointing loss. But um, I guess from my perspective – um, 69 points is a, it's a tough, um, it's a tough number for this team, especially not with a full, full lineup. And it, it's going to take them a little while to get their offensive flow. So, um, to me, it feels like that sweet spot for Southern Illinois, at least in the non-con is going to be kind of around 60, 62, um, giving up 69 points can be tough to win games because I don't think that they're, they're built to score 70. Yep. Um, let's go on to Evansville, Cincinnati. This was a, a decent, um, I would say, name game. People know the Cincinnati name. Um, Evansville went there and lost 65-43. Um, never, it never felt like uh, Evansville was in that game. Um, it was just Cincinnati kind of came out and um, kind of uh, wire to wire. But, I mean, Cincinnati's picked sixth in the American um, it's one of those of you want to see a closer game because that's one of those conferences uh, we've been dancing around a little bit on. And yeah. it, it's another one of those that I just wanted to see a tighter game. Um, Coolman and Bochamp had 11 points each. Um, it, it, I mean, Evansville's just not very deep, and I think that showed. It's going to be a tough game to win on the road at Cincinnati on opening night for them. Um, Givens didn't give you the, the big scoring output that I think he needed to to win this game. Um, but you know, I, it's one game. It was a game that you were probably not going to win. Um, you were going in, you know, double digit underdogs. So, um, it is what it is. And, uh, we'll get to their next game next where they were able to bounce back. Yeah. And they did tonight. We're recording this on uh Thursday evening. So they bounced back. They got a win at home against, uh, Uwe Pui, Indiana university, Purdue university at Indianapolis. Well done. Um, they won 62-40, um, controlled pretty much this game. Yeah. Um, it's a game you're expected to win. They did win. They won by 20. Um, there's not a lot to talk about there. Coolman, uh, uh, leading scorer, was uh, 13 points, four rebounds. Um, they looked good. They beat a team they should have. 
Yeah, Frederick King uh, went out with an injury. I don't, I don't know much about that. I, uh, yeah, so I saw we, that. We talked a little bit about that with Harry, but go ahead. Yeah, I, I was watching that game, um, and they said that he was in street clothes, and I believe his ankle was wrapped, um, so didn't play most of the second half. Yeah, one, one of the veteran leaders on the team. You don't want to see that happen, especially in game number two. But um, really excited to see uh, Newton and Givenson double figures. And for me, when it comes to Evansville, I think that's the recipe for success for this team. Um, Newton and Givens have to be the, you know, they, they've got to be in double figures, both of them. And um, because a lot of times, and, and even going back to last year, they would have these lulls where they just couldn't put the ball in the hoop. And I think that those two, when those two are, when those two are scoring, you know, 28 points in a game um, and you're playing good defense, I, it's Evansville, that's a recipe for them to win games at home, especially. So um, great to see them get a win tonight for sure. So uh, get, get that early win. All right, let's move on to um, Toledo at Valparaiso. Uh, the arc um, was going, uh, as Paul Warren said on a former podcast, they're selling beer this year. And so, uh, but the Toledo uh, Rockets, is that right? Came in Rockets, yes. and um, a it's one, camera action. Yep, one, one by eight, 69 to 61. Um, Toledo won the MAC last year, so this is, I mean, not a bad team by any it's means. Team. It's a just a comparable college basketball league, um, but at home, you know, you just kind of hope to win those. Um, yep. But Valpo coming off two just struggles um, in the uh, exhibitions, and um, I mean, what, for Valparaiso though in this game, they took a lead uh, with four minutes to go out of the media timeout. Uh, but unfortunately, I, I believe Toledo went on a nine-zero run after that and just kind of sealed the deal. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, also at the beginning of the game, Valpo kind of spotted them nine because I think it was nine zero to start that game. So it's kind of a game of runs, uh, but um, just one probably another one of those Valley team could have won at home and just didn't. Yeah, so you know we and, and at least I did. I downplayed the exhibition losses for Valpo, and I think now though that this is a real game against a real team. Um, now I kind of feel a little bit more goes into that. And I know, uh, Cricky was out and if he plays, they probably win this game. Yep. But, um, at the same point, I mean, uh, yeah, they're, they're own one, but it kind of feels like Owen three and it kind of feels like there's, you know, it's just, it's piling on Valpo. So, um, it'll be interesting to see them next time out. Hopefully they can get another, uh, they can get back on the right track. And, um, it, I think it, I think this just shows that, you know, when you have that revolving door, I don't care how good the players are, which it does seem like they do have some talent. Yeah, it's going to be hard to get it rolling. Yeah. Kither had, had a great 16, game. Yeah, he had 16 points. Yeah. Uh, great night out. And he's going to be good once they kind of come into their own, which tends to happen. But it just shows it's, you can't just flip a switch and, you know, just throw, you know, new players out on the floor with your old old guard and, and, and get it to work. Um, it doesn't help you don't have your big guy, but still, that there is going to be a challenge for Valpo to get it rolling. Yep. All right, uh, moving on to the um, the bummer of the night, in my opinion. Uh, Nickel State went to the McLeod Center and beat the Northern Iowa Panthers 62-58. to um, Nickel State out of the Southland Conference. Um, for me, and I'm not putting this on this person, but if you look at the box score and you see A.J. Green's uh, stat line, he's 0 of 7 from 3, and he had 4 points. Um, you and I is probably not going to win a lot of games when that happens uh, with the uh, preseason player of the year. Um, but it's, this one's just a head scratcher for me, Baker. 
before we before we just kind of cave things in on northern iowa i do want to mention um austin fife was really good yes in that game um almost a double double um he was really rock solid so um I do want to say good to see him build off the end of the year he had last year because he was really getting it going at the end of last year. Um, so great to see that continue now. Um, AJ Green's not going to go one of fourteen every night, so I don't, I don't, I don't hit the panic button on AJ in particular because I think that I mean he's going to figure it out. Let's be honest. But as a team, you cannot lose this game. I don't care if Nickel State's one of the one of the better teams in the Southland. I don't care. Like you're a veteran team. You got to act like it at home. I don't care if you're missing Bowen Bourne. Um, I'm sorry. This is a game you can't afford to lose. And there's, there's just no other – there's 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 excuses, and you see plenty of excuses about, you know, how Nichols is a good team and, and whatnot. I'm sorry. Like, if you're going to – if you're going to contend to win the Valley, you should not be losing games at home against the South – a top team in the Southland Conference. I'm sorry. Agreed. Um, yeah, kind of just lead into the Vermont game that uh, just ended here uh, a couple hours ago. Um, they Northern Iowa uh, dropped another one um, to the Vermont Catamounts um, at home, seventy-one to fifty-seven. AJ Green did turn it around. Um, he had he was nineteen points. Nineteen points. Um, so yeah, it was not. There's no issues here with that um but it's also another one that vermont i believe they were picked to be second place in the uh, american east East. behind stony brook stony brook yep stony brook uh was picked first with them being second um also to note vermont didn't have their best player ryan davis in the game i think he averaged like 20 points last year so that's just another one that's it's it's a head scratcher like yes vermont's probably good um (laughs) for the american east but when you said it perfectly, if you're looking to win the Missouri Valley and getting that resume going for March, you don't lose these at home. You're a veteran team. I, and that's the part I keep going back to. This is not a team that's just a bunch of freshmen and sophomores. This is, a, this is a team that's been through the ringer. This is a team that won the regular – this is pretty much the whole team that won the regular season a couple of years ago. Yep. Um, their best player was out for Vermont. And at times on offense, it looked like Northern Iowa's, I've never seen them this sloppy. And they kind of look lost at times. And I was just, I was very unimpressed. And um, Vermont just made the right plays to win. And, and like I said, I'm sure Vermont, and same with Nickel State and Vermont, I'm sure in their world, they're, they're decent teams and they're going to compete for their conferences. But the Southland and the American, East are not even in the same ballpark as the Missouri Valley. You could put Vermont going into any building in the Missouri Valley or Nickel State for that matter, and I would expect that Valley team to win. I'm sorry, I just would. Yep. Um, nope, that's and fair. I and I think that should be expectation if you're that good. And not to mention you're a veteran team and you're picked to finish in the top of the league. Like you cannot lose these games. Um the panic meter for me on Northern Iowa is I'm hovering it. Let's put it that way. Uh, when it comes to any thought of an at-large bid, they can't lose a game in the non-con because they have two bad losses. Like, to me, unless, unless Nickel State or Vermont conference get to the NCAA tournament themselves, those are going to count as bad losses. I don't care if they finish second. Like, those aren't going to be good losses. So – it's just it's it's so deflating and like and I'm not trying to dance on Northern Iowa here because you dude we we obviously want them to win and it just yeah. stinks that they lost and 
Um, you know, hopefully they bounce back because they do have opportunities out there in the non-con. I don't want to yeah. discount that. They've got some tough games, Arkansas, Richmond, St. Bonaventure. They can turn this around, but the margin for error is there's none at this point. So, exactly. Uh, let's hope the few good things born gets back at rolling again. And A.J. Green continues off the, the good things he did tonight. Yep. Um, let's go on to another one that's just another inferior opponent from an, an inferior conference. Um, Simo uh, went to Missouri State and won 99 to 94. First and foremost, Missouri State allowed 99 points at home. Um, and then, I mean, yeah, they put up 94, but I mean, where's the defense there? And two, it's just another one of those of like, it's the OVC, your top team in the Valley or in that top tier in the preseason. What is going on? Deja vu. I mean, the Little Rock game from two years ago when you had all the expectations in the world coming in that season with uh, Tulio Da Silva's team coming back and, um, and then to come out and just kind of laid an egg against them. And this just felt like the same thing over again. Um, I mean, I've seen some things online where Missouri State fans are, um, the pressure's starting to mount on Dana Ford a little bit because, you know, this is another time having expectations in the league to do well. And to lose to a SEMO who's, uh, I think Harry mentioned, maybe, what does he say, fourth or fifth mm-hmm. to in the Ohio Valley, middle of the, middle of the road of the Ohio Valley. Not a, if you're going to, if you have any aspirations to win the, Val, the Missouri Valley, you shouldn't lose to an Ohio Valley middle of the road team at home. Or that matter, give up 99 points. Yep. I mean, this is another one of those head scratchers that like there were two games. I mean, of the ones, well, I mean, sorry, you and I and Missouri state were two games. That I like permanent marker. Yeah. They're going to win. Like there's no doubt in my mind. Um, so I just, I, I don't get it. Baker. Um, I do want to plug though, Brad corn at uh, Southeast Missouri state, uh, former Saluki. Um, and now the head coach there, I think his second year, but anyway, let's get some positive uh, Baker. Hey, Coach Shirts, Indiana State, first win as the yes. head coach of the Sycamores. Pretty awesome. Um, they uh, went to Green Bay and won 81 to 77. Yes. Um, first game for uh, Coach Shirts, his first win, which is pretty awesome. Um, Green Bay was up 12 in the first half. And so that kind of just shows the resiliency of this team. Um, uh, Henry and Bledson for Indiana State had 15 points each. Um, that's one that I want to hit on because in the preview, I, I made a comment. I'm curious to see how the D2 translates to D1. Uh, they yep. were they were transfers from Lincoln Memorial, followed Coach Shirts to Indiana State. Um, obviously, he knows they know the system and it fit in well. Um, but then uh, Calix Stevens had 16 points um, and a double double, uh, having 12 rebounds. He was injured last season, didn't play. Um, and he's a JUCO transfer from, I believe it's Tallahassee State, um, is where he transferred from. Another shining star there. So kind of some of those unknown names that we talked that we tried to talk about in the the preview um, that showed some fruition on night one. Yeah, awesome win. Super happy for Coach Shirts. Um, a game that I didn't expect them to win. I didn't. Um, I mean, after Tyreek he went down. I mean, I you, we talked about on the podcast. I said, well, that moves them to 10th. I mean, this is, this is pretty obvious, but um, resilient team came back, uh, came from behind to win the game on the road against Green Bay. Uh, really, uh, when we get into the uh, future games coming up, uh, there's going to be a real test for them. But 
great to see him get off on the right foot and uh you know hopefully he hopefully can build off this and keep things rolling uh you know maybe all is not lost in Terre Haute this year yep um now yeah let's go on to your Redbirds uh this is one maybe first and foremost yeah. Baker before we get into the game um talk about what it was like going to the game fans experiencing that so good. Uh, it was so awesome to actually walk into the building, see fans all around, see and hear them, hear the band, hear hear the music, see it all. It was just um, such an awesome experience just to be able to be back in the building. I know the crowd wasn't very good, but um, just to kind of experience college basketball the way it's meant to again, uh, nothing beats it. So uh, Illinois State did get a home win, sixty-eight to sixty-three over UNC Wilmington. Yes, yeah, so it was an interesting game. Illinois State got down big early. I think they were down by 17. I think it was 27 to 10 at one point. Uh, and they were able to kind of clip away. And it was interesting. At about the, I don't know, about the four or five minute mark uh, before the halftime, uh, Antonio Reeves kind of took over the game. And he cemented himself as, okay, hey, I'm the best player on the floor tonight. I'm going to act like it. And I think he single-handedly was a part of about an 11-0 run that got things back within striking distance for Illinois State, and um, whether it was either scoring the ball or passing the ball. And then in the second half, uh, I, I can't remember what it was. I saw Benson's tweet. I think they went on like a 13-2 run to start the half to get the lead. And from there, you know, they – they they were leading pretty much the whole second half by you know two to four points and it was it was a pretty competitive half um so it was really good to see them uh see them get the win uh obviously um antonio reeves is going to get the the bulk of the uh and interesting is the word bulk because he he's a much bigger more bulked up player um he's gonna get the bulk of the shine for for illinois state he looked awesome out there um if he can continue to do this against some good teams, he's going to be, uh, I think, second, third team in the Missouri Valley. I, I think, don't think that's a stretch this year for him. Um, another player that I really liked seeing out there, uh, Liam, Mc, or, well, I'm going to call him Kenny McChesney because he's Liam McChesney, but uh, Kenny McChesney for Illinois State um, only had one point, but he had four blocks and he really had his imprint on the game. Uh, he's a seven-footer transfer from Utah State, so keep a, good, keep a look out for him. Um, if he can get that offensive game, his rolling, uh, he may take over as the, the big guy for Illinois State in the key minutes for them. Uh, another player, uh, Mark Freeman, their new point guard, and uh, I know Harry mentioned something about him and when we talk about him as well. Uh, he's an interesting player, whereas in, I, I like a lot of the things he does. I, sometimes I don't like when he forces his own to get his own shot, but um, when as running the offense, as long as he doesn't try to do too much dribbling and try to get his own shot, he played awesome. And he, and you know, your first game in front of fans, that's a tough, tough ask. So um, I saw some really good things out of Mark. Um, Josiah Strong as well played well, but um, as an Illinois state fan, um, let's face it, I'll just be honest with you. UNC Wilmington was not a very good team. And if I'm being honest, it was like they beat a great team. That being said, it was nice to, even though my expectations for Illinois state are still low, it's nice to be able to get that first win um, and at least have something positive going into the weekend with their, their next opponents. Yeah, that's just it. That's just it. It's like I think about. I think to myself, Missouri State and Northern Iowa fans would kill for that one and zero spot with a win over UNC Wilmington. So one and zero. There are positives to take away from it. Happy for Dan to get get that first win because all the pressure he's under this year. So um, yeah, hopefully they keep it rolling. Good. Let's go into just a. a a drubbing of a game. Uh, Loyola just beat the brakes off of Coppin State, 103-45. Loyola with a 58-point win over the MEAC 
Coppin State. Um, last year they were six and twenty-five. And um, fun fact. <laughs> Their head coach is Juan Dixon uh, from the yes. Maryland Terrapin uh, National Championship team. He was a 2002 yep. MVP of that Final Four and National Championship team. Um, pretty cool there. Uh, Ugak had a great game. He had 16. Williamson had 10. Uh, interesting one for me, Chris Knight uh, had 10 points. He is the Dartmouth transfer that I think everyone's kind of um, wondering what his place would be on this team. You look good. Um so this was a game – this was uh, one of the games I got a chance to catch. Um, if you're a – just as someone who – as we're all cheering for Loyola right now as Valley fans because we want Loyola to do really well in the non-conference. Um, the first 10 minutes of this game as a Valley fan was just so much fun to watch because they were not going to miss anything. And it was – and I will – the other – I guess I guess if you're one of the other top four teams in the league, you might be a little scared seeing it because – um, this team looked incredibly dangerous, obviously a lesser opponent, but to me, the one thing that stood out and I, and I don't know if it, it's, it's going to get picked up. I, I know Ugrak was the leading scorer, but he hit four threes and he hit three in a row at one point, which um, if he's consistent from the outside like that, whew, that's just another added piece to this team. And it'll be interesting to see if maybe they play a small lineup with him out there um, and see what happens. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how the, the rotation for the bigs are for this team because uh, Welch, Knight, and Hudson all got minutes. Uh, I think that this is kind of their tryout period for those three to see who is going to emerge as their their main big guy going forward. But um, if you're a Loyola fan just watching that game, you've got to be just ecstatic. Yep. All right, let's get on to – But, yes, go, go to ESPN Plus and watch the first 10 minutes of that game because it was so much fun. All right, uh, Bradley traveled to South Dakota State uh, where they lost 81-65. This was one of those that we thought it would be a decent Valley bellwether game for them. Um, obviously, it didn't go the way uh, we thought it could have went. Um, uh, South Dakota State was the Summit League champions last year. Um, a couple bright spots for uh, the Braves. Terry Roberts in his first Division I game, um, he had 15 points, five assists. A rink mass at a double-double, 11 points, 15 rebounds. Um, interesting quote uh, from Wardle in the post game said basically uh, we had 15 turnovers on the road you can't win on the road doing that um, I laugh because uh, Southern had uh, 23 turnovers on the road <laughs> <laughs> so you can't win when you do that um, sure can't uh, w- one thing to note too Ari Boya only played nine minutes um, and really just indications are bad matchup San Diego State was going small and quick and it just matchup play um which is why boya didn't get a lot of uh minutes there yeah and 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 i didn't get a chance to watch a ton i I caught the very uh i don't know most of the second half of this game and it was one of bradley was fighting give him credit because let's be honest south dakota state might be the best team that anyone played in the valley on opening Mm -hmm. night yeah that's and that includes cincinnati but i agree with that statement yes um south dakota state's really good it was on the road it's a tough environment to go to um they fought back. I think they got it back within – I want to say it was within 14 at some point in the second half. But they Bradley would get stops, but they would never be able to hit the shots to, to kind of get back over the hump and get it to single digits. Um, they missed a lot of key shots, you know, kind of around that 10 to 6-minute mark where they, they were on the edge of kind of breaking through. They couldn't. And then finally, you know, South Dakota State just um, ran it back up to about 17 or so, and, and, and that was it. But um, I, I don't I – don't, feel bad about Bradley no Tavaninen in this game so I'm not worried about Bradley after just seeing this performance this is this was a game you're probably gonna lose so 
Yeah, you brought it up, and I, I looked at it real quick. Um, of opening night, I'm just basing this on um, Ken Palm. But South Coast State, 87, so they were the best opponent on opening night. Oh, uh, see, Vermont, there you go. Vermont, 95, and then Cincinnati at 105. And I'm sorry, okay. Vermont would have been a Thursday night, technically, as we're recording this. So, of the, the opening nights uh, games, um, that's, that's where our opponents were. Nope. Uh, that's totally fair. Uh, we got one more, right? Last game that I am not going to say one word about other than the final score because Co-College doesn't exist in my mind. Uh, Drake won 87 to 61. So I found out that Co-College is in Iowa. Okay. And um, here's the thing. I've seen – and I've seen on Twitter people saying, oh, well, they didn't – they were competitive with Co-College. Like, I'm sorry. Drake's one of the best teams in the league. I, I can't imagine that this was a game they were – circling on their calendar to really get themselves up for um, it's a chance for DeVries to kind of try some things. So we, I think we, I think we have to wait to, uh, to really judge what Drake is after, but listen, they got the win. That's all that really matters. Correct. But I do yeah. hate these D2 regular season games. Oh, it's so dumb. It's, I hate it. It's so, so dumb. <laughs> There's an uh, argument for it, by the way, but I still hate it. Yeah. But Hey, that's opening night. Um, you know, try to get positive there at the end, but just overall thoughts being deflating. And we're going to talk a lot about it with uh, Harry Schrader from Valley Hoops Insider. So hang on for that conversation. All right, Valley fans, the traditional visit from Father Harry One on Twitter. We are joined by Harry Schrader of Valley Hoops Insider. Check out valleyhoopsinsider.com for all your MVC and OVC uh, takes and interviews from Harry. As always, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast. One of my favorite things to do is hang out with you guys. Come on. You know, <laughs> we, we, we talk about hoops. We talk about your schools and the whole league. That's one of my favorite things. Well, we appreciate having on. Before we get into the hoops, um, kind of curious, night one, you were in attendance at a game, a Missouri Valley game and an OVC game. Just maybe talk through, Harry, what was this season like for you to be able to walk into an arena at the beginning of the season um, yeah. and cover some games? Well, you know, yeah, night one, I was going to make sure I was somewhere, right? And so... I went uh, down to Missouri State, and obviously, as you mentioned, I, I take I write about both those leagues, so it was great. I mean, like I announced a couple games on the uh, ESPN package for the league last year, uh, but the fans were not there, and it just wasn't normal, right? And we were announcing from halfway up the seats, and so last night, it was, I mean, Tuesday night, it was great to just get back and have something kind of normal. About 4,000 fans at Missouri State, not a huge crowd, but uh, the the student section was filled really nicely. So it was just great, you know, to get back and have it be kind of normal. This coming, well, tomorrow night or Friday night, I'll be at St. Louis U to see Eastern Illinois. And then Tuesday night, I'll be at Illinois State to see those first place Illinois State Redbirds. <laughs> That's and, right, uh, Harry. They're, they're taking on Murray, you know, and so that'll be a fun game. And, and so, yeah, I, I'm determined to get to all 10 venues this year in the Missouri Valley Conference. I don't know if I'll make it, but I'm I'm, I'm determined. So, hey, have, Harry, Harry, I want to jump in and, and touch on this Missouri State game while we're talking about it. Just So, I have, I have two questions. The first one, how excruciating was it when the clock wasn't working? <laughs> well, you know, the game was just kind of ebbing and flowing and a whole lot of free throws, and then all of a sudden the shot clock 
doesn't work. At the end down where I was, as the end where I was sitting in the 32nd clock had like a diagonal line on it or something. So they had to work on that in a game that was tight and ebbing and flowing. It was, it took a lot of air out of the room, but uh, they finally got it working and yeah, thought you yeah. got to watch Simo score a lot of points. That was unreal. So I, I guess the, the I mean, we might as well touch on Missouri state now. Um, tell us why we should not panic about Missouri state. That's a good question. Uh, because listen, I'm a big Dana Ford fan like you guys are. I, th I think he's a, a really outstanding man and a good coach. Um, but they, and I wrote about this preseason, in, until they live up to the hype, I'm, I'm not somebody that's all sold out on them. I mean, three years ago, they were picked to finish first, finish sixth. Last year, they were better, 17 and seven, but they went on five against the top two teams. Uh, and so I'm waiting to see them live up to the, the press clippings. Uh, they'll get better defensively, of course. They're not going to give up 94 every night. Um, and, and Dana will demand that of them. And so I haven't, I haven't panicked, but it can, it's concerning, right? You know, they have uh, Gage Prim, who I think is the best center in the league, and, and Isaiah Mosley might be the you know, most prolific scoring kind of guy in the league if it's not Antonio Reeves. Uh, um, and, and Donovan Clay is supposed to make them a lot better. I, I'm looking for a leader, too. I talked to Art Haynes about this yesterday. I don't see a guy on the floor that's the floor leader. So I'm looking for that, too, from Missouri State. I'm not panicked about the, the Bears, but I'm looking for some things. And, and, I, and it's only one game, so we shouldn't panic. But I'm not seeing those things just yet. Yeah, no, and, and I, th I think that we see a – a game at home from one of our top four teams. And I know we're going to get into another one that's struggling as well. But um, I think as Valley fans, we see a SEMO as kind of a like opponent. You should, you're a big favorite at home. Um, I get there's kind of a, a little bit of a regional rivalry there. But at the same point, it feels like one of those games that a veteran team like that needs to take care of business on opening night. And it kind of had that feeling of the Little Rock from a couple of years ago where hmm. another game they should have won on opening night and they couldn't take care of business in that one. So I don't know. It just I guess it feels like deja vu with this team. Well, and honestly, uh, somebody brought that up to Dana in the postgame. They said, hey, this kind of reminded me. Are you afraid? Do the players feel? And he said, ah, we don't even remember that game. These are different players, you know. But, but yeah, you do get concerned, right, for a, a team that maybe at times has seemed to underperform, underachieve. And, and I'm not saying they will. They could win their next 20 games. But, but you are concerned, I think, a little bit about some trends that you see and uh, I'm a big, big Dana Ford fan. I, I mentioned I was down there and I went to some local place for breakfast on Tuesday morning and Coach Ford was there. So I got to talk to him at breakfast <laughs> Tuesday morning. And so uh, that's part of you. You know, you asked me what it was like to go to an arena. That's part of what makes this special is, is that we get to actually rub elbows with people, fans, reporters, the coaches, the players. And so... Yeah, I, I'm excited about being out there, but uh, but I am a little concerned about the Bears. They've got all the talent world, so they'll be fine. Uh, but can they elevate, you know, into that first, second place in the league or, you know, maybe play season? Yep. So, you know, I know we jumped into the Bears already, but, you know, kind of taking a step back, we're Valley or Missouri Valley focused. Come um, on, you baby. Know, as a – uh, Missouri Valley fan, you know, I summarized the first night, the opening night, in one word, as deflating. You mm. know, is that a fair 
thoughts. And as you look at maybe the, the leagues that you cover, you know, as a Valley fan, is it time to, is it time to have some uh, panic around there or is it truly just a, a one, one game, um, you know, outlier there? Well, we don't know, right? Uh, I, I'm not a panic type of guy, but deflating is a great word because you know Northern Iowa is going to win that opening game because Nickel State is nobody and they've got A.J. Green back and, and you know they're going to win and, and they didn't. At one point uh, in that opening night, uh, everybody had lost or was tied or losing, all 10 teams at one point, you know, Monday night checking scores while I was there at Missouri State. And it was very deflating. Thank God for those Redbirds and Sycamores that came from behind. Leave it to Illinois State to bail out the league again. (laughs) You know, and of course, Loyola and Drake had walkovers. And and, and so those were your four wins. And I was joking with you guys earlier, you know, even even our new team, Belmont, they're supposed to win the opening. They lost too. We were actually four and seven, you know, uh, Tuesday night. But uh, some underperforming. You know, and and brackets, or maybe it was my website. I can't remember. Um, you know, but some questions I was asking going into the season: How good will AJ Green be? And Marcus Damas coming back from injury. Neither one of them were very good opening night. Uh, um, not a lot of you games. Some of it uh, there at the arena at Missouri State. But I had ten points in the first half and three in the second half. And AJ Green couldn't throw the ocean, and so you do worry right about those two guys and and uh you, you hope they're fine you hope they're 100 percent, and they probably both will be but opening night wasn't very good for either of those guys and i also do w- want to say this that there's almost on every team somebody's out you think about valpo they're missing ben Cricky, and siu is missing uh trent brown and uh you know uh, a couple different guys uh missouri state was meeting keaton missing keaton hervey and bradley was missing tavaninen and and so on and on there's so there's some guys missing uh, Northern Iowa was missing Bowen Bourne, and, and you think, well, that shouldn't be a big deal, but he was the rookie of the year in the league last year and is going to be a part of their six, seven, eight man rotation and, and didn't play at all. And so almost every team's missing somebody, not even to mention Indiana State missing Tyree Key, but he's going to be gone all year. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you can make allowances for some of those things, but for a, t- a league that wants to get to three teams in the NCAA tournament, to go four and six on the opening night and they weren't playing Duke and Kansas. It was a, it was a deflating sad night. I thought for the Missouri Valley. Yeah. Really uh, outside of Cincinnati, not a ton of brand names you're playing on opening night. Um, I guess uh, let's just rip the bandaid totally off and let's talk Northern <laughs> Iowa basketball. Um, oh, and two um, as we're recording this right now. Um, and, you know, I, I get the Bowen born uh, not being out, but to me um, I, and I get nickel state and Vermont are, are better mid-majors for sure. But to me, uh, a veteran team like that, bringing back some of your best players, um, you know, those are games you got to win. Absolutely. And, and, and I didn't get to see either of those games, but looking at numbers, you know, as we mentioned, AJ was just off the first game. And uh, you, you can expect that, right? I mean, you, I didn't expect it, but you can. Um, and Fife was really good opening night. Uh, his numbers weren't great tonight. In two games, it's only two games, but Trey Burhau hasn't contributed much. Taiwan Pickford's in the starting lineup. Uh, but, they're, yeah, you're right. I mean, they're a veteran team. They've got seniors coming out the wazoo. They were super excited about having Antoine Kimmins back as well. And that's just a game with the best 
coach in the league and the best player in the league and AJ Green and all that veteran presence, you just know they're going to be two and zero. I mean, that's that was already in ink in my notebook, you know, by by game three. And so, yeah, it's it that was to me the biggest shocker of the opening night. I, frankly, I expected Indiana State to lose, and you know they didn't. You know, and expected Valpo to lose without Cricky and at you know and, and Evansville's playing at Cincinnati. You know they're going to lose. You know, so there's there's some games you just kind of expected to lose, but. Uh, Northern wasn't one of them, and and they'll like I said, Ben Jacobson's the best coach in the league. They'll figure it out, but but those were damaging to the resume in the first two games of the season. Yeah, and I think that that you bring up a good point about the resume. I think from this point on in the non-conference, if you even want to sniff an at-large bid, you got to pretty much be perfect the yeah, rest absolutely. of the way. And, yeah, and they've absolutely. got some tough games with Arkansas, St. Bonaventure. They're empty. I mean, this is gonna. This isn't exactly a, an easy schedule the rest of the way, and it you you make it just so difficult on yourselves. But to me, it was like you know, um, and and AJ Green's not gonna have a bad night like that every night. No, there he's going to. Yeah, there's no it. way. Let's let's right. just be honest. Um, but I, it just it felt like one of those games that a veteran team with the best coach in the league, like you said, just really good. You got You got to win those games for sure. Well, you have to, and 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 I've talked to some bracketologists, and they say bad losses don't hurt you as much as not getting the good wins. And so the fact that, that the Panthers have a number of, you know, sturdy opponents as the season wears on, uh, that's going to give them a, ch- a chance to bounce back and build that resume. But you can't rack up a ton of losses right. because then it just buries you. And, and, and so those, and, those two were really hurtful. And to your point, I think you bring up a great point, but the, the thing that I think of in the future is like, you think of a team like an Indiana State and an Illinois State, teams that are probably going to be toward the bottom of the valley, um, but they're they're going to have a chance to knock off some of these top four teams. So not only do you have to stay perfect through the non-con, you've got to try to avoid the bad loss in the valley because, mm. I mean, let's face it, not every single game, not every single ten of the ten teams is going to be a bad or good loss. Like you're going to have bad teams in the valley, and they're still going to be tough to beat every night. You know, not a lot of teams are going to want to go to the Holman Center or Redbird Arena this year. Particularly that renovated Holman Center. I'm looking forward to getting there. I'm going to get there for sure to make sure I see it. And you're right. I mean, there's you're going to drop a game somewhere in the league. And, and so they just can't afford to rack up a whole bunch of losses. Um, that said, I, I do think that those two or three top teams are going to potentially anyway rack up good resumes. And when they play each other and beat one another, those will be games that actually help them in the net, you know, which is kind of weird the way it all is playing out now through the NET, but uh, it's going to be interesting. I I, I thought the Loyola walkover, I I don't know why you schedule a team you're going to beat like that, but uh, it's a good opening night. They're missing Keith Clemens, by the way, they're still missing somebody too, but uh Loyola, you know, they're excited and they think they're going to be really Keith good. They need Keith Clemens, Harry. They do need Keith Clemens. They, they, didn't, need him. they didn't need him on well, Tuesday. Well, no, they didn't though. need him Tuesday. I'm just making note that he's not there yet. But uh, so Loyola and Drake are going to be really good. But I really thought Northern Iowa and Missouri State are going to be really good too through the first three games, two for the Panthers and one for the Bears. Uh, they haven't been very good. We need them to, as Valley fans, we need them to, you know, square things away. And I think that's why it's deflating or essentially a letdown for me is because we kind of had this top tier of four teams that we thought were yeah. head and shoulders above. Um, but now it's looking like maybe there is this 
1A tier that's Drake and Loyola. Drake has not been challenged. They played, I don't even know where Coe College is, to be really honest. I just know you and I played them last year at some point. Um, I bet it's Iowa. I yeah, bet it, is Iowa. Too. it is Iowa. <laughs> that would have been my guess. But, I mean, I, I think that it's just frustrating in that in a, a mid-major league that has such a small margin of error on losing in the non-con to – to bolster that resume or even be in the national conversation. I mean, look at what Drake did last year to get themselves yep. into the national conversation, you know, being undefeated for what, 18 or 19 games. And so it's one of those that that's the frustrating is that we lost to like opponents, but they should have been inferior opponents, mm -hmm. um, especially in inferior leagues, maybe like opponents in inferior leagues, so naturally as a Valley fan, and maybe we're a little bit of pretentious fan base when it comes to mid-majors, we should have beat the teams um, in those inferior conferences. Well, there's no question, and they are inferior conferences, it, just looking at the numbers. You know, if you look at last year's Net or Ken Palm and all that, all those teams are coming from leagues that aren't as good. You know, the, uh, you know I'm an OVC guy too, right? And they last year were like the 22nd or 23rd best league in Ken Palm and the Missouri Valley was number 11. So you're in a top third, they're in the middle to back part. And, you know, Missouri State's got to beat that team that's picked fourth or fifth in the OVC when they're picked third or fourth in the MVC. That's just, you know, that has to happen. You can't lose to Nichols State. They did, but you can't do it. And so they've got some work to do to make up for that. No, and I think to yours and Vance's point there, in my opinion, if you are one of the top four teams who can contend to win this league, which I think there are four teams that can win this league, mm -hmm. um, you can, unless you're Gonzaga, if you're at home against a mid-major, you shouldn't be losing. It, you, unless you, it's Gonzaga on your schedule, there's not a mid-major that should beat you. No, you can't. I mean, it depends on what you call a, a, a mid-major, right? I mean, like if an A-10 team is in your house and, you know, that some people might not call that a mid-major or whatever, but but you're right. I mean, they've got to beat those teams. And, and frankly, they've got to beat them soundly. I mean, yes. they, just can't, they just can't come from behind and win at the buzzer. They need to knock some people around and to build – uh, the perception, right? You've got the net and the numbers and all that, but then you've got the eye, the eye test. And, and so when those committee members are saying, wait, they lost to Co College? You know, wait, wait, they lost to Nichols State? They lost a bye game to Vermont? You know, that, mm -hmm. that, that becomes a problem. Yep. So, you know, I know we're getting you after the first night of basketball. Um, you know, as you look ahead to the season, are there any storylines that really um, – you know, stick out to you. Maybe it's as we're approaching conference season. You know, I've got a couple in the back of my head. Is there anything on your top of mind that you're really looking forward to seeing play out over the course of the season? Well, we did mention it earlier. I think this is the year that Dana Ford's got to do something dramatic. And, and I don't mean to keep his job or anything like that. But, you know, uh, he took over at Tennessee State and they, and they had a, a dreadful program and he wins five games his first year. Next year they win 20. And, and, and do a really nice job. Never gets to 20 again at Tennessee State, gets the job at Missouri State, and hasn't hit 20 yet at Missouri State, despite the fact that every year we go, wow, their roster is amazing. And so I, I think this is a year when, when Dana's team has to turn the corner. And so that's a, a, a story I'm really watching closely and, 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 and hope and wish. I mean, I like him a lot. I like what he's about. I like what he does. And uh, so that, that is one of them. Uh, obviously, one of them is the A.J. Green thing. Is he the guy he was before two hip surgeries? Now, I've never had hip surgery, 
but he had a bad hip last year and got them both operated on. They said he gained five, six, seven inches in his vertical. He worked so hard in, in terms of getting back. And, uh, and so you just think, okay, he's going to light up the world. And he had a bad first night and an okay second night. And, and we think he's going to be terrific. Uh, but, but how much has he got back? Is he going to be the player he was or better than he was two years ago when he was the Larry Bird player of the year? So that's one thing I'm watching. And then honestly, the, 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 I'm a coach guy. I think about coaches a lot. And, and is Drew Valentine all of that? You know, is he really that guy that can lead that program? Now, we're big fans. He's energetic. The people at Loyola love him. But he's never coached a game until the other night. And, and, uh, and obviously, they did great. And we wish him well. But how, you know, how does he do against tougher competition? How does he handle in-game situations? How does he handle having 11 starters? You know, all those kinds of things. And then, and then how does Josh Schertz do? You know, I, I was – you know, frankly surprised they won opening night. I just thought, you know, uh, they lose Tyreek Key, two or three of their guys are D2 guys and, you know, whatever from a year ago. And, and uh, Calix Stevens is a, you know, a nice addition and so forth. And they pull one out. And so I'm pretty impressed. I like Josh Schertz a lot. I've talked to him two or three times and uh, I like his approach. I like his affability. I, you know, obviously he was dynamic at the division two level, but how they handle this season. And in particular now with Tyreek key out, uh, how they handle it all. Th those are the things I really do pay attention to. And, and if I could do to one more, uh, to that Illinois state Redbird dynasty that we're seeing unfold right before our eyes They're they're one of those teams that Joey Luce says is undefeated and on the map. Um, the, uh, you know, I, I'm a big Dan Muller fan. And, and appreciate what he's doing. And, um, but they've, they've had two or three down years. And so how that thing maybe starts to arc upwards or doesn't is a big, big story for us to watch. No, I think you, the, the one that, the one that it's interesting, you talked about Josh Schertz and I was even texting you about it when I was doing the Indiana state preview, I texted you, I was like, Harry, does Indiana state have a chance to be really good this year? Cause with their new style with Tyreek key, I was just thinking to myself, this is going to be a, this is going to be such a different team, but um, you know, the one thing I, and to add on to your storylines, I just like love to get your perspective on this. Um, you know, you talk about coaches and the new coaches, but um, to me, I think the interesting thing is, uh, you know, your Dan Mullers with, uh, I mean, let's face it. There's a lot of pressure on Dan Muller at Illinois state. Mm. Um, there's pressure on, I think Dana Ford with the expectations high again for his team. And another one, Matt Loddick, I think, I think kind of has a, a little bit of pressure just because of that revolving door that you see every year. Um, kind of talking about that, just your thoughts on, on the pressure on these three in particular. I, you know, well, we mentioned two of them, right? And then you brought up Matt. I, I do think, you know, they every year, the last two or three years, their best or arguably their best players walked away. Uh, that makes you question things, right? You know, you, uh, you think, can they hold on to players, particularly now when transferring is, you know, is kind of like, what am I going to watch for TV uh, on TV tonight? I think I'll transfer to a new school. And, and so he's had trouble prior to this with keeping guys. And, and, and I love what he did in the offseason, getting those Big Ten guys to just kind of immediately put some better players on the floor. And, and obviously, uh, you know, they got a double-double out of Keith here the other night. And, and I think Sheldon Edwards is a real keeper. Uh, I think he's going to be a dynamic player. That said, you know, obviously they didn't have Cricky the other night, so that was a problem. But, uh, but so Sheldon Edwards, is he Javon Freeman Liberty? Uh, is he 
uh, who left last year? Donovan Clay, is he just the next one that's going to leave after his sophomore year? I mean, those are the questions we really have to watch and uh, at Valpo. And, and I hope not, right? You know, I mean, I want every team to be successful and, and, and be terrific. But I do think there's some pressure for him to not finish seventh, eighth, ninth, you know, with all these Big Ten guys they've got and, and all that. And then to hold on to some people as well. You know, that Adnasovic guy that was there last year. I thought he was really going to be a player. Yeah. Uh, but all of a sudden he's gone. Another guy they're missing, by the way, Connor Barrett's not playing yet either. And, and so it's just another guy on their team. Um, and I mentioned Dana, I, you know, I don't think people at Missouri state are unhappy, but, uh, but I do think it's a season when they're going to be saying, okay, this isn't a year like he's under great pressure to win 25 games, go to the NCAA tournament. But, but you know, they haven't been there since, I don't know, 99 or 1999. Yeah. And, and, and so it's a long time for a basketball school to be without an NCAA tournament, you know, and, and so I, you know, the people that are getting hungry, right. And he's been there four years. Uh, and so, yeah, I think it's a big season. It doesn't have to be this season, but they have to, they got to be in the hunt this year, I think for people to not be unhappy. And, uh, and I think Dan uh, there at Illinois States had a run where it's, it's just been difficult and he, and they haven't been without their, off the court issues and and that makes people people question things as well uh that you know reeves came back was huge you know dan told me he was gonna go nba or come back he was never talking transfer which you know was good news to me and they they brought in some good people and we'll see how they go i'm a big fan of mark freeman saw him a little bit at tennessee state uh, i think he's really uh, you know a, a significant guy to, to play the point for them and that makes all the difference in the world and yeah. so I, I'm rooting for all of them, but you're right. I think all three of those guys are in situations that their fan base wants to see something different. I think one that's interrelated to just storyline that's on top of my mind, and, and I've overhyped it a little bit, maybe, but it just drives me absolutely nuts. Dovin and Clay at Missouri State, um, you know, being at Valpo last year. That's just one of those games I've got circled that you got to be tuned in <laughs> to because it's just a storyline that I just think is so interesting and the first time we've seen it in this day and age. Yeah, it's really crazy. The only thing even close to it was when uh, Hawkins came to Illinois State when he kind of was part of the Wichita State program and left and, and went to Illinois State. The only thing I, that's the only time I remember it in my time in the league. Um, it's going to be interesting. I think that will be an interesting one. Clay decided he was leaving, and I talked to Dana Ford about this, and, and he said that uh, two or three or four of his guys play with, have played with Donovan in, in – the Brad Beal elite or AAU or whatever it was. So there, his guys were recruiting clay. He wasn't even recruiting him. Next thing you know, Donovan clay's on his team. And, and so uh, whether that's true or not, you know what I mean? Coach, yeah. but the, uh, uh, but I do think it's going to be an interesting contest and, and, but players are different now. P players used to would have been saying, Oh, that guy ditched on us, but they change AAU teams and summer teams and all that all the time now and 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 as we mentioned you know they have four five six transfers at Valpo so it's not like they're saying hey you know transferring is bad you know it's just that you left us and, and so I don't think it's quite the emotion I think at Valparaiso it'll be a bigger game than it is at Missouri State absolutely 100 percent so 
Harry, I got one more for you, and it is a tradition of mine to bring this up because every single year I do, but we got a little bit more meat on the bone when it comes to expansion in the league. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we do have a new team in Belmont, yep. which, uh, which is awesome. I think it's a great, uh, great addition to the league. But uh, it's going to be a complicated question, but you're the perfect person to ask. Curious your thoughts on the addition of Belmont kind of from a Missouri Valley and an Ohio Valley perspective, and then also your thoughts on the potential of a 12th team. Well, it's devastating for the OVC to lose Belmont, and, and the OVC is struggling, right? I mean, they're lose, they lost two teams this year. They're losing Austin P and Bradley, uh, Belmont rather, next year. It, it's bad, and, and I like Commissioner DeBush and, and Kyle Schwartz, their PR guy. Love those people, think they do a great job. It's devastating for them, and they're working hard to figure out what's next. Uh, at the Valley level, I think Belmont's going to fit right in. I, you know, but people think maybe, well, Belmont's going to come in and, and run the Valley. I, I, don't, I don't see it. I think they're going to be a real good program in the Missouri Valley Conference. Uh, but they're not going to come into the Missouri Valley and win 25 games and lose only two or three league games. It's, it's going to be a struggle for them. It won't be the Valpo struggle or the first couple of years of Loyola struggle, mm -hmm. but it's not going to be easy uh, for the Belmont Bruins to just do what they're used to doing because it's a much better league. I talked to somebody really well connected this week about expansion and their comment to me was, you know, the commissioner doesn't know what's going to happen next. There's just, it's such a fluid situation. Um, I, and, and this person I was talking to, they said, the commissioner doesn't know if we're going to have 11 teams next year, 12, 13, or 14. So Interesting. I, don't, I don't know if that means Breaking anything. Breaking news here, Harry. <laughs> but I, I don't know if that means anything. But what I do know is there's a lot of fluidity. Coaches are really anxious. They want to know what kind of scheduling model they're going to have. The administrators met, I want to say, a week to 10 days ago. Presidents met recently. Uh, but they won't meet again in person until January or something. Mm -hmm. and, and so the presidents are the ones that make that decision. But prior to Belmont, the presidents didn't meet in person either. So the fact that they're not meeting in person doesn't mean they are or aren't going to do something. So just to comment, I, you know, heard, you know, I was talking to somebody, made me think that there's still some fire behind that smoke that we may see another team. And, you know, I'm an OVC guy, so I don't want it to be Murray State. I'm a Missouri Valley guy. I want it to be Murray State. You know, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm double-minded. Yeah. Fair. Oh, hey, as always, Harry, we love when you join us to talk some hoops, especially as the season gets underway. Um, along the way, everyone go follow Harry. If you're not already following him on Twitter, um, he's got his own podcast, too, uh, that drops episodes uh, pretty frequently. I know it's Father Harry one on Twitter, ValleyHoopsInsider.com. Harry, anywhere else people can find you? Yeah, yeah I'm writing for BustingBrackets.com now, and I'm writing about both of the leagues there as well. Uh, and that's been a lot of fun. They're a neat organization and they, they, man, they crank out the material. They're pushing my buttons. I gotta, I gotta write like, I was up till one o'clock the other night, cranking out my latest story, you know, for them. So yeah, bustingbrackets.com, a lot of fun. And we'll be there to consume it as always. Thanks for joining us, Harry. Always love it. Thanks. All right, Valley fans, we are one night in uh, for a couple teams are two two games in because they played on Thursday night. But Baker has some 
fun power rankings that he has not disclosed to me um, after these uh, opening nights. Yeah, so what we're going to do this year is uh, back by popular demand is the power rankings this year. Um, we're going to do a little bit of a twist, though. We're going to have some fun with it, and uh, we're going to uh, have a theme to it each week when we do these. So, um, Vance, you don't know what these are. Some of these are going to hit. Some of these aren't going to hit, but you know what? We're going to run with it anyway, and we're going to have some fun. So uh, this week's power rankings are going to be brought to you by food. And so we're going to start with the number one team on my power rankings is the Loyola Ramblers. And the reason I put them, obviously, they had that big win uh, where they just beat the brakes off a team and looked amazingly impressive. And I would compare Loyola right now to pizza. And the reason I compare them to pizza is day or night, good or bad, pizza always gets it done. So, and, and what I'm saying there is, you know, Loyola might not have the best game every once in a while, but, you know, the pizza is no, always going to be good. I, I, no, I understand what you're saying. I just am kind of in shock of where we're going with this, but I love every second of this. So. We're going to keep going with this, so it's fine. I mean, listen, like I said, some of these are going to hit and some of them aren't. But the number one team in my power rankings right now is the Loyola Ramblers. Number two is the Drake Bulldogs, which, um, let's face it, I picked Drake to win the league over Loyola in Northern Iowa, but they played toe, so I'm not going to give them number one spot. Sorry. Um, but I would consider Drake cereal. And the reason I say cereal is always a winner, but every once in a while you want something slightly more from your breakfast. And the, and the, why that works for Drake is let's just face it last year. They had the co-champions on the line. Couldn't get it done against Bradley. Didn't quite win arch madness. Uh, I think that changes, but obviously a rock solid team and cereal who doesn't love cereal. Give me a break. I love it. Number three. Um, Number three, we're going with the Indiana State Sycamores. And the reason I'm going with Indiana State is because they won a game by coming from behind without their best player. I'm freaking impressed with it. And I'm going to call them lobster. <laughs> Indiana State is lobster because it takes a long time to cook, but was it, was it worth it? And I just kind of feel like they're that one team that um, – is it – I just – I don't know. You always have that weird – weird taste in your mouth with them and and i'm not a big lobster guy so i felt like that worked for them you're not saying uh, boil, you're not saying boil them alive <laughs> no i'm not but okay. anyway so let's go to number four my illinois state redbirds and my illinois state redbirds got a big victory this week so they're going to be another one of the undefeated teams here in the valley uh they would be salmon and the reason i'm calling them salmon is because at first they look great at first bite they're great but after a day in the fridge, salmon's not all it's cracked up to be. <laughs> Fitting. Uh, my wife uh, got food poisoning from salmon, and that pretty much summarized uh, the, the, uh, the, Vance, <laughs> the Vance household um, thoughts on Illinois State. <laughs> there you go. I love it. I love it. Uh, number five is going to be the Bradley Braves, who went on the road, played a tough team. I'm, gonna give, I'm give, trying to give them a little bit of slack right now. Bradley is alcohol. And the reason, that, the reason I'm picking alcohol – uh, Bradley's not always in the mix, but alcohol and a good weekend is all you need. And with them, a good weekend and Arch Madness is all they need. So I feel like it's fitting for them. I love it. All right. So next up, we're going to be number six. And we're going with the Evansville Purple Aces, who did get a victory here in the Missouri Valley Conference this, this week. They did get the win over IUPUI. Um, I am going to call Evansville their eggplant. Eggplant's not good and it's purple. Number seven is number seven is one you're gonna love. It is the Southern Illinois Salukis. 
Southern Illinois, I, I am putting as avocado toast. It's gaining popularity by the day, but it's still just a piece of avocado on toast. As, as Vance hypes up his Salukis every day, they're, they're, they're still, they lost to Little Rock, so they're still Southern Illinois. Number eight, the Valparaiso Beacons. And I'm, I am going to call them the Veggie Burgers of the Missouri Valley Conference. And for veggie burgers, I see what you're trying to do being the new guy. Veggie burgers, kind of a newer thing. People are, you know, getting behind. But I think it's time to let the real hamburgers do the work. Now, for number nine, we have nobody. Because I, the, my, I had to put, I don't want to justify one of these next two teams in the number nine spot. Because um, let's face it, two teams had two really incredibly disappointing nights. So we have a 10A and a 10B. And that's just how I'm doing my rankings because they're mine and I don't care. Uh, 10A was going to be Northern Iowa, and they are the mac and cheese of the league. It's been a go-to for me a decade ago, but now it just kind of leaves me incomplete. Still good, but not good enough lately. And finally, at 10B, it is Missouri State. And I am giving Missouri State, they are the new seltzers. They always look super exciting on paper, but they rarely live up to the hype. This, I, I'm at a loss of words. Answer your thoughts. I'm at a loss of words. <laughs> this, uh, this segment's either going to hit a home run or it's going to strike out quick. There's a couple that were laugh out loud funny, as you might have uh, noticed as I was trying to cover up my reaction um, into the microphone. Uh, this was awesome. I love that you did this. Um, I think it's all fair, and it's fun and games. Yeah, no, it's fun. People don't take it too seriously, all right? Um, let's go real quick just to go down my list one more time. Uh, my power rankings after uh, the first couple nights of action, number one, Loyola, number two, Drake, number three, Indiana State, number four, Illinois State, number five, Bradley, number six, Evansville, number seven, Southern Illinois, number eight, Valparaiso, number nine, nobody. 10A is Northern Iowa, and 10B is Missouri State. As always, we do just a little bit of look ahead. Um, it's not in depth. It's just more of, hey, here's our thoughts. Here's what games pique our interest. Um, so let's get going on Friday the 12th. Um, so hopefully you've listened to this episode and getting ready to sit down and watch the 5 o'clock tip of Illinois State at Eastern Michigan. Baker, anything about this game? Well, I'm shocked that the birds are a one-point favorite. Uh, pretty excited about that, though. So going to play a little bit of action on a Friday night. So uh, rooting for the boys to get a win, and uh, you know, hopefully they get it done at Eastern Michigan. I think it's going to be a uh, it's going to be a tough game. It's a game I think that could go either way, and hopefully they build off of Tuesday night and get it done. Absolutely. So moving on to the seven o'clock game. Once you're done watching that, uh, Austin P is heading to the Banterra Center to take on the Southern Illinois Salukis. Um, first home game for the Salukis. They are a big favorite here. This is an Ohio Valley foe. Um, not only as a Saluki fan, but I think a lot of Valley fans should be looking into this. Just what's going on in the Missouri Valley? Is this um, is opening night an indicator of what's to come? Salukis should win handily here. Um, 30 minutes after that tip at 7.30, Indiana State is going to Mackey Arena um, to take on the Purdue Boilermakers. Definitely the highlight game of the weekend or the highest ranking team that the Valley is playing um, thus far uh, with Indiana State going to Purdue. That's going to be a challenge. Um, 
Purdue's good. Indiana State, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they play. They did play them last year there, and uh, they hung around there for quite a bit, but um, different Indiana State, different Purdue. So, uh, you know, hopefully they at least put on a go show, but I do not expect them to win. No. no. Um, on Saturday, uh, UIC is traveling to the Arc to take on the Beacons of Valparaiso. Um, good little game there. I mean, yeah, I, I, I could see this one being um, a Valparaiso former, win. Former Horizon League rivals going at it. Um, yeah, Valpo, you got to win this one. Um, also in Chicago area, uh, Florida Gulf, Gulf Coast. Um, is going to Loyola um, for a game there. Loyola should be 2-0. Yes, they should. Um, Howard travels to Bradley uh, to uh, play the Braves at Carver Arena. I think this is a win for Bradley. Yeah, it, it should be a win for sure. One I know that a lot of uh, Valley fans will be uh, circling is Evansville at Belmont in Nashville, getting a little flavor of what's to come in conference play. Uh, before we, uh, Baker, you think who's going to win this one, even though I think we're going to say Belmont here. Kind of interesting. I think this was supposed to be the start of a home and away <laughs> between these two. So <laughs> Evansville's getting really the short end of the stick here. You know, I will say one thing, if, if the Valley office is listening right now, just to remember, Evansville did get to go to Nashville this year, so maybe next year if we have a lopsided schedule and not everyone can make the trip, maybe Evansville takes a pass next year because they already had their chance to go to Nashville. So just, just remember that. Um, Bel Belmont should win this game, though. They're a better team than Evansville. Uh, obviously, Belmont's not here yet, so I will hope for – the aces to pull it out and who knows they could they could give them a good game but um i do expect belmont to win this game alabama state goes to missouri state in springfield missouri state should win this game and they will win this game bears cannot lose that game moving on to sunday um indiana state plays a team called hanover i have no idea what league they're in um d2 d3 nai no clue Hanover, where my mom actually went to school for a couple of years. So, uh, shout out to my mom there. Uh, it's in Indiana. And uh, Indiana State should beat the brakes off them. So. Okay. South Dakota travels to Drake. This will be Drake's first test, um, actual D1 test of the season. I think this is a win. For a test? Game. I was going to say a test. It's a they test. You shouldn't lose this game. Well, you got to take a driving a test. test and you shouldn't fail that. <laughs> okay. Well, Drake should beat the brakes off of South Dakota. Yep. Uh, Dubuque goes to the McLeod Center to play Northern Iowa. Northern Iowa will get their first home uh, win and their first win. Tuesday, the 16th, DePaul is at Evansville. Evansville will win that. And that's DePaul, not DePaul, out of the Big East. Um, then – at 7 o'clock at the Redbird Arena, the Murray State Racers will be playing the Redbirds. Baker will be in attendance. Harry will be in attendance. What's your thoughts on that, yeah, Baker? Looking, looking forward to seeing Harry in person. It'll be interesting to see what the Redbirds do this weekend against Eastern Michigan and then uh, going into the game against Murray State. This is a uh, – I feel like this is that bellwether, to use one of your terms, um, games for Illinois State because this is going to be playing one of the better mid-majors around the country. Um, Murray State's usually pretty darn good. So uh, it's at home at Redbird Arena. I think that gives Illinois State a puncher's chance, but I think it's going to be still a hard hard game for the Redbirds to win. But, um, yes, I will be there and rooting on my Redbirds. 
And then at the same time, Bradley will tip off against Missouri S&T, in which they should beat the brakes off of. And then Loyola yep. should also beat the brakes off of Chicago State at home. Yep. Moving on to Wednesday, <laughs> uh, the second game that is a top 25 uh, ranking game that a Valley team will get a crack at. Northern Iowa will go to Arkansas. Um, we circled this one as an awesome game that we were really looking forward to in the preseason. Um, still very much looking forward to this. I think Northern Iowa gets on track, and it's going to be a game, Baker. Is this a must-win for any at-large chance just yes. for them? Absolutely. I think so. I think so, too. I agree with you. I think this is that – because as good as St. Bonaventure is and Richmond is, this is – Arkansas is in the SEC. This is a – more brand name who had a really good year last year so um it's gonna be a really tough tough game and uh coach jacobson's guys work cut out for him to get his team back on track to uh go on the road to play a really good arkansas team in fayetteville so um i can't wait to watch and i hope for the best for the panthers another good storyline here uh matt loddick uh valparaiso goes to stanford um to play his alma mater is that right and then yep. um I, I don't see the Beacons getting a win on the road at Stanford. No, probably not. But um, this isn't a particularly great Stanford team either. So I, I don't, I don't totally throw it out of question that they can get the win. But um, you know, they're, they're probably going to lose. And the last game uh, we are going to talk about is Missouri State at Sam Houston. The Bears are traveling to Huntsville, Texas. Easy win. They should not lose that game. I'm sorry. Nope. Not, don't lose a Sam Houston. All right, Valley fans. We've got a lot of games to get through until the next episode, but uh, definitely get tuned in to your favorite teams and go watch some other games as well. This has been the opening night episode, March to the Arch podcast in this 2021-2022 Missouri Valley Conference season. We had a great conversation with Harry Schrader. We talked opening night between Baker and I. Baker had a power rankings that uh, had me laughing, so hopefully you enjoyed that. Along the way, until next Thursday, where can people find us, Baker? I can tell you before, we get, before I get to that, next week's power rankings, we're going to have another theme, and it's going to be more fun for you, Vance. So you're going to have to – all the folks out there can be looking forward to that. Um, but, yes, you can find us at uh, marchthearchpodcast.com. You can find us on Twitter at MarchArchPod, at MarchArchBaker, uh, which we are on Twitter tweeting, uh, especially, uh, you know, while we're watching the Valley games. So um, another thing is uh, MarchArchMailbag at gmail.com. If you want to have, uh, give us your takes on the different things we talked about, um, just kind of your perspectives. Love to hear from you if you've gone to some of the games and the buildings, uh, kind of wondering what the fan, what the fan uh, atmosphere is like at the other Valley arenas. So, um, you know, looking forward to another great week of Valley Hoops. And with that, I will say, go Valley. Start talking about the Valley. Why not?